Hello, this is Jerome Pena, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Jason's feisty. Yes. Fired up. Am I though? I think I am. <laughs> wow. I could never get my voice that high. Now listen, man. Double brag. Ain't happening. Sometimes you gotta stretch them them vocal ranges, you know. When I was younger, meaning, you know, pre-puberty, I used to be able to hit, you know, Steve Perry. But then something happened. The balls dropped and the voice got bad. Now I can't sing for my life. I can die. Yeah, king of the high seas, right? Can't. <laughs> it's some of King Diamond's really embarrassing, though. It really is. Like, like you can't be all butch and have that fucking de- death, devil, Satan bullshit makeup on and sing those high notes. It just doesn't work, right? Freddie would probably look at him and say, "Bitch, please." Right. right? Mm. Hey, everybody. What are we doing here? It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 726. Your regularly scheduled book of the month. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. It is book of the month. I am David A. Price. I can vouch for that because, of course, I am the ancient one. Mm. Tilda Swindon. <laughs> yeah. You're yes, not. I, I am that version of the ancient one. You're not. That's the. It's a pretty damn good version of the ancient one. But it you was. are not the ancient one. You're Jason Wood, everybody, and you do not have to be the uh, master of the mystic arts <laughs> to coerce someone into giving you your books and periodicals and all the bric-a-brac in the previous catalog at a massive discount. All you have to do, everybody gets it. All you have to do is go to dcbservice.com. That's dcbservice.com and reap the rewards such as, this is definitely the last time you're going to hear this, right? Because what's today? Today is the 22nd, right? This is it. You're not going to hear these ever again. From uh, Boom, it's magic, number one. With Matteo Scalera doing the cover, this is a, a new ongoing based on the Wizards of the Coast uh, card game, massively popular. Jed McKay's writing, Iguar's drawing, four ninety nine printed on the cover, but that's not what you are going to pay. You're going to pay two dollars and forty nine cents, and let's everybody make a hearty flush because this is the last time the Seven Seas Dungeon Toilet will be talked about. It is volume one. Get it on the ground floor on this absorbing new adventure. <laughs> uh, it's uh, $13.99 cover price and $7.69 is your price. That's 45% off. That's a really good discount for um, manga. And remember, this is a unique adventure about heroes who truly give a crap. <laughs> from, from Marvel, it's What If, the original Marvel series omnibus, volume one. Lots of stuff in here. You got issues 1 to 15, and then it skips and goes to 17 to 22. $100 cover price. No siri, Bob Rooney. You're not going to pay that. What are they going to pay? $2. Nah, no, they're not. 50, no. 50 you, you, you got all static, and you went away. 
That's half off. Do the math. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books delivered right to your door. There is nothing easier than this. Zero. Nothing. DCBService.com. Excellent. Yeah, that's all we got. There we go. Do I sound all right? You said I was breaking up. No, you sound good now. You uh, you must have. Did you have the pause button on and then you wanted to say something? No. Or, no? No. Because it sounded like you were coming in hot and then it went away. Weird. That's St- weird. It's strange. Uh, hmm. There you go. But that's okay. It happens. Yep. So, book of the month. Should we? Well, first of all, we tried to get cute this month. We did. And we chose uh, 11 of the uh, Marvel original graphic novels. There were 70-some of them back in the day. We talked about that the episode we announced all this, so we don't have to rehash it. But we thought it might be fun. little thematic book of the month. We collaborated and each picked a handful and um, and put the list out there, which Dap will give uh, momentarily. And I thought that the winner after seeing the final 11 would be um, this or one other book. The other book I chose didn't get many votes. I was pretty wrong there. But this, in fact, did pull out a narrow victory. And uh, there you have it. What were the books, Dap? What were the books? The 11 books for February included The Aladdin Effect by David McLeany and Greg LaRoque, Alien Legion, A Great Day to Die by Carl Potts and Alan Zelnitz and Frank Sirocco, Cloak and Dagger, Predator and Prey by Bill Metlow and Larry Stroman. Uh, Coin in the Reaver by Don Krar and John Severin. The Futurians by Dave Cockrum. Heartburst by Rick Veach. The Punisher Assassin's Guild by Mary Jo Duffy and Jorge Zafino. Star Slimmers by Walter Simonson. Void Indigo by Steve Gerber and Val Mayorick. And Wolverine, Nick Fury, The Scorpio Connection by Archie Goodwin and Howard Victor Shaken. However, the winner was Doctor Strange into Shambhala by Jane DeMatteis and Dan Green with 25% of the votes beating the second place Star Slimmers by 5%. Yes, indeed. Absolute craziness. It really is. And before we dive into the craziness, I must ask Vince what he's drinking this evening. Well, I loaded up with three because I figured I'm going to need them. Um, I have they're all terrapin I have terrapin recreation ale cryosphere and lil hazy no I'm sorry the lil hazy is not terrapin it's uh, saranac so two terrapins and a saranac beat that (laughs) (laughs) beat that beat that um, I'll try. It's another 91-point bottle. This also from, um, according to jamesuckling.com, in April of 2020. This is Alamos. It's a Malbec from Argentina. 100 years of family winemaking. Um, this is actually pretty good. Uh, it says displays hints of dark cherry and blackberry with a long, lingering finish. I get the finish. Um... But uh, yeah, it's 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 a nice it, it's what's going on in this glass is pretty nice, and um, I, I 
might also have like Vince something extra to get through the episode. Right. Do you? Is it worth remembering? What? What you're drinking? What, the what, Alamos. What yes. with it being the Alamos? Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the highlight of the episode. Yeah, I'm here all week. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you didn't ask me, but I'm drinking tea. Right. Well, we didn't because we knew. But yes, you're right. Yeah, we did. We didn't set you up. Well, I don't think Monday episode. Yeah, I don't think we should kick him out of the the, the, the festivities. No, it's listen. Hey, I I get it because I I thought about drinking something tonight. Um, but knowing what's going on later this week, I decided to save that for later. Um, and because, you know, we're doing twice this week, I completely understand that, uh, you know, Jason's not going to double right. up for both episodes. So it's absolutely fine. Right. There you go. Facts. Right. So. Well, first I have to ask, as I always do. Was this your first experience reading this? If not, tell us when you did. Hmm. Well, uh, I've read all of the Marvel graphic novels as they were coming out. This one uh, must have been a very painful experience because I didn't remember <laughs> it going into it. I don't. I didn't. I. I, I have it somewhere here, but I uh, did not remember any of the details i didn't remember any of the art or the the visuals i just remembered the cover it's it's a striking cover i'll give him that um <laughs> but no i i like like all the marvel graphic novels i read them read them all um i i didn't read every marvel graphic novel when they were coming out i've read i read a good chunk of them uh i do remember this from house ads but uh no this was my first time reading it <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the Vince camp. I read a lot of these, like I actively collected them, but and I it well there were vague there were vague components of this that kind of brought me back to like a fever dream. So it's possible I read this and just didn't like it or tried reading it and then didn't put it didn't finish it because it was like kind of kind of familiar but not in its entirety. So yeah, I definitely owned it, but this is the first time, at least in the 46-year-old adult brain, that I, I, I will say I, I fully remember processing the entire thing. Right. If you read this as a kid, chances are really good you either didn't finish it or it didn't make much sense to you. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I, I was very young when these were coming out, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, <laughs> well. Uh, Needless he, to say, <laughs> yeah, you know, Dap Dap touched upon something uh, going in 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 the uh, the pre episode about um, you know this is what happens when you offer something up for uh, vote, right? When there's a pool of people who get to pick things, sometimes the uh, the winner it comes out of left field, mm-hmm. right? The, who could say what mood? The patrons were in when they voted for this. Maybe they thought, hey, Doctor Strange. We love Doctor Strange. Well, let's, let's vote on Doctor Strange. Uh, Dap, you you, you uh, tell them what you were thinking. Uh, no, it is. It's it's one of those instances where I'm, I'm really curious. And, and tell us in the Slack or on the Facebooks or, or the Reddit, wherever. Or, or tell me and Vince on, on Twitter. But 
uh, if if you voted and you voted for this book, um, why did you read it? Did you like it? Did I mean? Did you read it? Are you remembering it from back in the day? Is it something that you recently read? Is it because it's Doctor Strange? It's Demetrius. Um, is it because this is the Wi-Fi password at Demetrius? Uh, I don't know why people chose this. I I think, and we'll get a groan soon. I I think it looks really cool. I'd like Dan Green's art here. Um, there are some some panels, some pages that that look fantastic, um, but as far as a sequential story um, that I'll I'll well to be blunt to, that that's meant to serve a purpose. I I think it it it's lacking in some degree for me. Mm-hmm. Well, b- before we put all the onus on, on, on the patrons on this. I mean, we have to make two observations. One, we, we had almost 80 of these to choose from and we chose this. Yes. Like, oh yes. This wasn't one 100%. of the 11. Yep. So I'm guessing Dapsons who hadn't read it or didn't remember reading it. This was on your short list because you were curious about it and you liked the character. So I'm guessing that's a lot of the reason. Why oh, 100%. I, I mean, I, oh, yeah. I am, I am without a doubt, a yeah. huge Dr. Strange fan. I mean, I listen, am I glad I read this. Yes. Do I think as I'm reading it and when I finished it, did I think knowing it's a book of the month that this would have been fine fodder for that event? No, mm-hmm. I, I, this is something I, I don't think that this could. I mean, and we'll listen, we've, we've done book of the month episodes where, you know, we've talked about the book and then moved on to other items yeah. in an episode. So, yeah. and that, and that's going to be this, but there isn't, there isn't enough. And, and, Probably most of the Marvel graphic novels, there isn't, you know, not everything's going to be Dreadstar or God Loves. So, so there isn't really enough here to warrant the whole episode. And and you know, if this was just something that, oh, hey, I read that, or if it was an in your travels, or if it was you know something one of us brought to the table that night and we just discussed it, that would be fine. We would have given it what it deserves. But here, I I, I absolutely am a fan of Doctor Strange. I love JM. And and looking at the pages, I thought this would be neat. Did I know it was going to be, with the exception of like four or five word balloons, mostly a text piece? No. Um, I mean, that's cool because I'm also, again, Bruzenak fan, so it's great seeing his letters on the page. But um, I think over the years, I've read, not as they were coming out, obviously, but I think I've read Doctor Strange stories various Doctor Strange stories over the decades. And and you know, if you read a Doctor Str- if you read one of the old Ditko Doctor Strange stories, it definitely evokes that that time. If you read um the crazier stuff uh from Bruder was on art when in, in the seventies, that is reminiscent of that time. So I think you know, and this is in the eighties and, and I read a lot of Doctor Strange books in the eighties during with, with with his comic. And this definitely feels for me, it, uh, an '80s era Doctor Strange story. I, I, I'm. It was on the list because I'm a fan of the character. Never read it and wanted to see um, what it was all about. Did I expect it to win? Not really. My liking of a thing, as it's happened all throughout the time we've been doing this, me really keen on something 
or or wanting to see something win. It doesn't. It, it rarely happens. So just because I was looking into reading this, and even if it didn't win, I probably still would have won and, and, and read it later on. But um, I was I was surprised it won, and I, and I was probably more surprised when I finished it because I don't know if everybody who voted for it had read it and they just figured, hey, it's it's a Doctor Strange story, so we should have some mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, I'm guessing yeah. that a lot of them. Uh, voted for it based on their desire to read it. Agreed. Because yeah, I, I, you know, I, I I like to think we have a very refined pool of <laughs> of connoisseurs. I, I don't see how anybody who has read this in the past would vote to read it again. Mm. It, it, well, it's interesting. So because I I got the vibe from all the the two of you guys today that uh, you weren't loving it, and and I felt the same. I did do a little sleuthing to just get a sense of if there's some kind of uh, narrative opinion about this out there. And damned if the majority of, of the at least published opinions on it don't view it in extremely positive light. And I was pretty baffled by that because, I, I mean, certainly we are not in any way beholden to consensus thinking when it comes to our views on the show or, or what right. we think of a comic. But But I don't think it's that common where we all viscerally dislike something and it seems like more people than not like it so i again i I, to your point i am curious from the crew um i hope at least a chunk of them that voted for it have read it before because i'd love to hear what they grooved on and you know sometimes well frankly a lot of the time we'll we'll revisit something that was super nostalgic for us Mm. and depending on if we had read it at a different point in our lives or not, it can be the difference between loving it or disliking it. Um, But I don't see that that would be the case with this because I think at least we haven't, we haven't broken it down yet, but I think the issues I have with it, I I don't think would have been like cured by being younger. Like a lot of times you'll read a comic now and say, Oh, 15 year old me really dug that because you were, you hadn't seen as many comics. You were a little more immature. You liked big splashy action you weren't maybe as beholden to a plot but like this i would think would have been even less enjoyable or 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 penetrable if i were young me you know so yeah i'm curious to see if people like read this when they were in their teens or college age and just loved it because they were in this period of really vibing on like i don't know like open like poetry and and uh and and uh and and college esoteric uh, mumbledy, mumbledy goop uh, philosophy. Right. right, that's exactly what it reads like to me. It reads like he had a laundry list of Eastern, um, uh, I don't want to say religions, but Eastern modes of of thinking, uh, of, li- of living, yeah. yeah, of living, mm-hmm. and said, okay, uh, I got to cover my bases. I, I have to go to you know spreading your consciousness out into the the ether and and what you put out you re- you receive and it it just it it he it was a massive chore to read, um, not only because it just seemed like he was throwing just words at you, just throwing tons and tons of words at you. But Bruzenak is a uh, a very adept letterer, not here. This calligraphy was a really bad choice because it's hard to read. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's like almost yeah. reading cuneiform. Like uh, if, you, if you're going to make it uh, very difficult not only thematically but visually to um, absorb what you're trying to say both, you know, in word and picture, I'm done. Like I, it was like page four where I, I just wished it was over. I'm, I, I'm trying to um, meter my my comments on this because I don't want to seem like I, I'm hating on the book. I, I don't hate, I dislike, right? <laughs> uh, but really, I said this is unique in that it's the first book of the month that I'm ever going to give a perfect score to because I didn't like anything about this book. <laughs> Right. Um, well, I, cert- I, I have to I be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I, I was going to say I certainly agree with you on a lot of your points. I, I too, thought that the lettering was one of the things I disliked about it the most. I found if you're going to affect because this book does, in a sense, to me, even though it's only sixty four pages or sixty eight pages, whatever it is, it it almost was like a prose, an illustrated prose book, at least in how it was formatted. Where you had these these big chunks of, of relatively large calligraphic lettering uh, on one side of, of the page, and then and then the watercolors, and I if you're going to give me that many words, man, you you got to make me feel like it's easy to read, so I can spend more time on the images. And uh, I'm with you. I thought the I thought the choice of the lettering was a was a, a big big whiff, and right. definitely took away from whatever other enjoyment I may have gotten out of this book. I think the biggest, um, we haven't even talked about what the book is. I mean, basically the book, it's, here's the thing. It's a fairly simple premise, but if you read the book, I wouldn't blame you if you don't come away with the premise. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Strange goes back to the Himalayas and is going to see the ancient one, his mentor. And he's essentially put through a series of trials. And these trials effectively are, he needs to, cast a number of very difficult spells and that's what the book is about but man oh man is that oversimplifying an absolute maze of trying to decipher right, that one right. but one that. of the things you're leaving out and I think it's pretty important I don't want to mm-hmm. short shrift Damoteus mm-hmm. is he's casting a bunch of spells because the he's, he's being told that humanity sucks they fucked up you you got to erase everything and let's just start again, build it up from scratch. Mm-hmm. And Do- and Doctor Strange is like, I don't know if I can do that. And they're like, Well, you kind of have to do that because in order to build a better mousetrap, you got to burn down the old one. And Strange agrees to it. And over a period of time, he turns on his directors, and it's he's like, No, I'm not going to do it. And that was the whole point. He had to disagree to do it because mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, wow that's a 68 page graphic novel i'm okay it could have been an annual right but the the thing that um i took away from this is i have read a lot of books in this form factor uh shaken's um uh, stars my destination looks a lot like this in approach Alex Nino's More Than Human. Like these are illustrated stories where there's not a whole lot of dialogue balloons, but it's still comics, right? Um, it's still sequential art, but it's mostly like text pieces propelling bare bones, in this case, sequentials along. But when when you're in the same ballpark as Shaken 
in what I consider one of his crowning achievements, Stars My Destination, right? Or Alex Nino. Like, this does not even compete with that. It seems like it's just a, a barely knitted together narrative with a bunch of murky, um, unrefined art. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, it's, it's nothing that would ever instigate my imagination to, to, to flights of fancy or to inspire me to, to investigate the themes going on. It's just, it was lukewarm the entire way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that either. I, I think uh, there were so many times as I was reading it, thinking, was Demetrius just like whiteboarding talking points about mysticism, yeah. and then every page or two, and, and the exclamation points, and it just felt very. I couldn't tell if it was self-important or self-satirical because I just listened to a Demetrius. Uh, interview a podcast where they were talking about the Bwahaha era, right? And dude was like so self-deprecating and so dismissive of the whatever genius label people like to put on them for that run, and saying, "Listen, it was really a. I, I know you don't want to hear this, but it was really about getting a paycheck, and we were just having fun. Like, we wasn't it supposed to be super funny? It's just the way we were together. We all cut it up. It's how we talk to each other." My point being, he was just very normal and accessible and, and, and frankly, dismissive of his own success and his own importance in the annals of comics history. And then I'm reading this and I'm thinking, was this at a different point in his life where he had this moment where he's like, this is my magnum opus. I'm going to blow people away. This, this, I'm, I'm going to show them that I can get deep when I want to. I don't know. Or was it just like, you want me to write what? What the fuck do I know about that? Okay. Yeah. Hold on a second. Let me call up my cousin, my cousin Jill. Jill, you're taking uh, you're taking uh, Eastern philosophy at uh, at your college. Tell me about it. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yep. Okay. I got it. Got it. Okay. Great. Thanks. You know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I actually looked tonight for before the show for any kind of old archived interviews with him about this book. Uh, I couldn't find any. So you know. But I mean, when you think Demetrius, and I'm not talking about Bwahaha. When, when you think of J.M. DeMatteis, what's the one book, at least in my mind, that, that immediately pops into your, your consciousness? And it's very much like this book. Some of the themes are, are very similar. Don't you think Moonshadow? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but not, yeah, no, I don't. And I know it's unfair to compare two works by the same author. But visually, Moonshadow, Doctor Strange, Shambhala, like it's again, it's it's like night and day. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't read it, John J. Muth, Kent Williams, there's some George Pratt in there. Like it's gorgeous, and it's some of it plods along like Shambhala. But I just think like it, it's it's it seems like 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 I don't know what the date. Uh, when was this written, Shambhala? Into Shambhala was written in, let's see, it says, oh, no, it doesn't say inside the cover. Oh, I'll tell you, hold on a second. Yeah, you haven't weighed in yet. Well, I just want to see which one is the oh. training wheels. Oh, okay. I did a whole lot of fun. 86 uh, was Into Shambhala. Wow. So it was in between the publication yeah. of Moonshadow, which is, yeah. poof, there goes my mind. It's, it's damn blown. But, 
I mean, you'll have this. I, yeah, uh, it's, wow. Dap, what, what about it? It's, I mean, it, it's, you guys have already kind of gone into it. It, it. It's, it's, there wasn't really, I mean, I said it, it, this could have been an annual, but I, I think even that, that might be generous. It could have been, you know, a few parts in, in Marvel Comics Presents, so over a couple of ep- issues, and because those were just mm-hmm. eight page stories. There wasn't, it, I never really got started with it. And there wasn't really any momentum. Um, I, I, I had at a certain level of expectations, especially because of the character, especially because of the writer. Um, but it, it, you know, after if 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 you if you've read the Frank Bruner drawn stories. Um, you know how wild and visually appealing a, a Doctor Strange story can be, and and again, you know, listen, and I think you know the cloak, the red pops in a lot of places. Um, there are parts that that look really cool, and um, but I just. When I think of Doctor Strange, I think of certain things. Uh, whether you know he's going to have to bust out some funky spells, if he's going to have to face Dormammu or Nightmare or just something insane, um, and I didn't. That, that's not here. I mean, there's you know we, we established the trials and everything, but it's it's not. I mean, I'm glad. I guess it was a Marvel graphic novel because this way it's kind of. It can stay its own thing. Doesn't necessarily be doesn't have to be anything that anybody ever ever speaks on um, in the main continuity. But I let let down seems a bit harsh. But yeah, I just I didn't I finished it and I I just I needed something else to read just because I didn't want this to be the last thing I read and 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 feel some kind of way about it. I. I tried to look for the bright spots for me. It, 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 it was the art. I, I appreciate David Teus. I, I, I know what he can do. Um, but this is not something that, um, I'm going to think about when I think about his work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now there seems to be, I mean, the only real disagreement we seem to have over this is Dap seemed to have enjoyed the art, which is a watercolors by, uh, green and uh vince very much did not enjoy it um i mean i i wanted to like it and there were pages where i'm like staring at it thinking like as an image i probably would enjoy this like if someone busted this out as a commission and said oh look at this dang green commission i got i'd probably be like oh yo that's dope Mm -hmm. but i definitely didn't it felt very unfinished or loose to me which which again i mean certainly of all of us vince is probably the one most open to alternative artistic styles uh but it just didn't feel polished to me and and 
you know, that's probably a pretty pretty dismissive thing for me to say about an artist as accomplished as him. Um, but I just, I, I was like, oh, the, the pages just didn't feel like they told me a story. Uh, now, some pages did, but I think a lot of them left me uninspired relative to other watercolor comic artists that I'm familiar with, I guess. Right. Yep. Vince doesn't want to comment. No, I, well, I, I, I'll comment. It's just I, I don't want to rub salt in the wound. I just think it's, it's not good watercolor. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's muddy. It's but as mur- someone who, I was gonna say, as someone who teaches art, it might be helpful for you to, it's, like, it, it, because, because people are, I think, see, I always try to think like, what are the people? People hear you say that, and then they think of a lot of the things, like from their eyes, that might be way more basic or, or simplistic that you gush over artistically and so i think it'd be nice for them to understand why you view this as unappealing versus some of the things that you know you or any of us might really enjoy but but from a craft perspective might seem very much less refined right Uh, he's using watercolors if it is watercolor i don't know he's using watercolors in two worlds he's using it like gouache where it's really thick and he's going illustrative. Like whenever Doc, we ever see Doctor Strange's cape, he's really thick and really heavy-handed with the paint. And then the backgrounds are not loose enough for watercolor. So it's like he's he's not using the watercolors in in the manner by which they were designed to be used. And I, and I know that's me saying, well, you know, um, I'm not a traditionalist in any respect. If you're going to make a medium do what you want it to do, that's great. But this, to me, it looks like really forced gouache. Uh, the 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 sexy time scene is anything but. It's really dark, and you you know the the figures are distorted, and uh, it's. It's unrefined. It's an unrefined mm. watercolor technique. And I don't – it's kind of hard to say like uh, he's not making the medium anything other than what it is. Like he's not making it work for him. He's not putting a unique spin on watercolors. He's just using it as paint. And it's not used in a very novel or, or, or interesting way. The I don't think the, the color – uh, palettes he, he uses in each panel are anything special and a lot of them you know they they look it looks like painting 101 where he's just trying to find his way like the color palettes are are just mm-hmm. i think they're the book is basic it's a basic book i don't know the the, the approach is is very uh, pedestrian i'm not saying if you like it you know your your taste is in question. I don't find anything here that I can I can really gush about other than the cover. And the the there's one panel with Doctor Strange being uh tied up in all the vines and shit. Like that's a neat panel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, other than mm-hmm. I, I, it this is not something that connected with me. It's okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, it's it's fine. It happens, right? But I mean, when I I bring a lot of shit to the table that people are like, "Really?" That's what you think is good. I just like to be challenged. I find nothing challenging about this art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. I think. Inspire right. me. You know, wow me. Make make me dazzle me. Not with your technique, but but with the 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 way you can pull me into an image. These mm-hmm. do the, these do the inverse. They push me away. And, 
It's well, it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. What are you gonna do? Most deaths. Right. Well, I mean, sorry to the listeners if 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 you all voted for this because you love it and you just couldn't wait for our take on it. Well, I I apologize. Sometimes things don't go the way we planned. <laughs> right. You, <laughs> um. I I would know. rather look like an ass and be honest than than of than course, yeah. you know lie and just try and glad hand somebody and come off as yeah. disingenuous. So. I mean, look, this isn't the first time we haven't loved a book of the month. Um, it's actually kind of rare when all three of us love a book of the month. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair. And um, I, I guess, and I don't, we didn't pregame this, but I, I was thinking like, well, do we all have any particular Doctor Strange runs that we do hold dear or think are seminal or 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 would would uh, would want to turn readers on to maybe? I don't know. Well, I mean, the Ditko stuff. Come on. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, yes. Yeah, so, no, but, I mean, that that's a little... Like, the Ditko stuff, you just mean, like, in its entirety. But, I mean, is there, a, is there like, a, an arc or two or a run or two? Because that was, a, like, Strange Tales, like... Mm, yeah. I don't know, like, one, 110 to some ungodly... He had, it was, like, a 40, 50-issue run, right? Yeah, even the the revived Strange Tales when he shared the book with Cloak and Dagger was really good. Oh, I love that. That was what I was going to yeah. say. I mean, that's, yeah, that was yeah. definitely when I was first introduced to Doctor Strange. You know, I did. I obviously I wasn't around for the Ditko stuff, so I only read that later on in reprint. Um, yeah, so I, I I love the original Strange Tales. So yeah, so I'm looking. So Strange Tales one ten through one forty six, uh, and that that started way back in nineteen sixty three. Um, was the uh, the OG run, and then there was the, as you said, the the Strange Tales, which was a, I loved it because it was a kind of a what do you what do you call that when it's two two story? It was um a split like not a split book. What do they call them? Flip it, books? It, yeah, it wasn't a flip book, but it was a, no, but it's like right, it was an yeah, anthology. Yeah. Was I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the oath is wonderful. Yes, uh, it exactly. Is. Yep. The Oath, which um, was uh, De- Emma uh, Emma Rios, and who wrote it? No, 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 no. It was it, Vaughn and Martine. Martine. Vaughn and Martine, right. Uh, Emma Rios did... Um, did she do the, uh, the 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 year one or whatever the hell those were? Oh, that the, the hardcover things. The hardcover graphic novels, yeah. They did the Hulk, they did... Uh, season one, yeah, Doctor Strange. Season, season one. one. Yeah. yeah. Greg, Greg Pock and Emma, Emma Rios, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That was pretty yep. good, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, one that um, another Marvel graphic novel um, was was a, like w- was rated as one of the best of like I, I saw read a poll about best um, best of these Marvel graphic novels, and in the top five was Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom: Triumph and Torment. Yeah. That's which I which was Roger Stern with uh, very very early year Mike Manuel art. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember enjoying that one. I have a brief aside after we're done mm-hmm. with this, but uh, there's the um, the Doctor Strange is separate reality. It's a trade. It collects the uh, Steve Englehart and Frank Bruner stories. Okay, uh, that's trippy AF. Mm-hmm. And certainly the Jason Aaron Bacello run from God Time Flies back and started 2015. Oh yeah, that's uh, a great way. The weird that was great. I really enjoyed that because there's there's import to the story. It the, it matters. Mm-hmm. That say okay, magic has a price. 
wow, like you for whatever thing you want to do, doc, you better pay uh, in equal uh, measure for the chance to do it. And when you put Bacello on a book, shut up. Of course, it's mm-hmm. going to be be up there. But um, see, you kind of got what I was uh, dug into what I was going to say. Where um, who's your favorite Doctor Strange artist? Uh, I'm I'm so tempted to say Paul Smith, but um, I gotta think on this. Uh, I mean, I I guess I don't. Maybe because he's always been, he's always bounced around and and been in different titles. I, I don't know that I think of like a seminal Doctor Strange artist. Um, huh. See, I like I like the called Paul Smith look. I like I, I like the slender Doctor Butch. Guys made him look a little beefy. Collins uh, is great. Um, mm-hmm. Martins is great because he's also got that slight build. But um, who do you think, Vince? It's gonna twist your head around. Kevin Larson. Do- Kevin Nolan. That is awesome. Uh-oh. That is a great one. I love the Mm -hmm. way Kevin Nolan draws Doctor Strange. He's every bit as handsome as he should be. Yeah. He looks wise and learned without being crusty and old, you know. Uh, I think there's uh, an air of respect to Kevin Nolan's uh, or authority to his Doctor Strange. Yeah, I love Mm -hmm. the way. He didn't do a shit ton of of interiors i mean he did a you know a good amount but his, the cover work that he's done with for dr strange like yow love his uh his rendition yeah for sure yeah and uh, number two would be bruner and zach's gonna be like what what about uh-huh. steve i like uh-huh. i love ditko's um rendition he was the 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 first right but um bruner did a lot of really good things with that character and bruner's clea Mm -hmm. oh good god stop alan davis draws a good doctor strange too definitely and i think bacello did a great job i did oh hell yeah 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 and that that oh the oath by with mark i mean marcus mark Tongue twisted tonight. Marcos Martin was fantastic. I guess he has he's enjoyed. A, I mean, a lot of great artists have put their stamp on the character. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, the the strange tales, the aforementioned strange tales. The I, I much more vividly remember Brett Blevins on Cloak and Dagger than I do <laughs> whoever drew. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I know. But I think Richard Case did a lot of the issues, if I'm not mistaken, oh. on the Doctor Strange side. Um. And I don't remember. I mean, I remember liking the book in its entirety. So, I, but I don't. I can't. Like, I'm trying to pull memories of back of of the Doctor Strange images. I don't. I don't remember too many of them. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of a visual tour de force, Bacello's run is, uh, you know, it's up there. Right? There's so much going on in that that run that it's just it's it's a treat. And but it's Bacello. Like we expect that from him. Right. right. Yep. Uh, for me. Strange doesn't work all that well as a solo. Uh, for me, he's the dude that's in the Defenders. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only Doctor Strange page I own is Mr. Eric Larson drawing the Defenders. You have a page from that? Yeah, we've talked about that before. 
Have we? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've owned it for a long time. Where, was, why am I blanking on this? Don't know. Huh. Yeah. Um, so I, I certainly enjoyed Eric Larson's take on it. But yeah, Kevin Nolan's a good one. Because he yeah, from the, that that's that's a good one, Vince. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Hi. So there you go. Um, book of the month. <laughs> next time. <laughs> well, is, it, is it one of our choices next time? <laughs> nah. No, they, they come on. Let's let's be honest. They, this is you know, you take your chances and you gotta run with it. Oh, it's no, I'm the kidding, way it is. Um, Again, we picked the book. We didn't. We didn't have to put the book on there if we didn't think it was going to be worth reading. Right. I mean, I went in this. I, I like when I saw that it won. I wasn't in any way disappointed. I thought, okay, yeah, I don't remember this one, but Doctor Strange, right? It'll be so. Come see, come sa. So, what else have you read? <laughs> um, well, I, I did. In the spirit of of, uh, of of this evening, and that it was a book of the month uh, focused situation, I, I did read um, another book of the month. Uh, I mean, another Marvel graphic novel from back in the day. Uh, I did read Cloak and Dagger, uh, Predator and Prey. Wow. That, well, that was also on the list. Yeah, and it was one of that was one of the uh, it was one of the books that I had uh, had asked us to put on there. Um, I had read this back in the in the day. I remember buying it actually, and I remember liking it more then than I do now. But that's pretty common because nostalgia. Um, do you guys remember this one? Vaguely. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, written by Rest in Peace, Bill Mantlo. Uh, great art team. One of the reasons I picked the book. Uh, every, one of Dapp's favorites, uh, Larry Stroman, penciled it. And uh, none other than Al Williamson inked it. Nice. With uh, the aforementioned uh, Ken Berzenak, uh on lettering in a much more conventional way uh, in this book, I will say. Uh, and actually, it's interesting. Uh, Carl Potts edited it. I always forget that Carl Potts edited oh, yes. a lot of these. Um but it's pretty cool. I mean, I, first of all, I I love Cloak and Dagger's characters. Um, I, I think part of it is just because when they came out and came to popularity was when I was getting super into comics. So just felt some sense of ownership like anybody that age might have might might have. And they definitely are on a short list. Maybe we'll do this as a list sometime. They're on a short list of characters that I wish Marvel did more with but they use them pretty sporadically and they're very much tertiary supporting characters these days. I know they had kind of a big role in one or two of the recent events, but nothing massive, right? Like, you know, I know they were a big part of civil war, a couple of other things, but uh, I feel like we haven't had a chunky cloak and dagger set of uh, stories in a long time. Um, but I always thought they were cool, right? The, the yin and the yang. And um, visually I thought it was a really neat, you have this just gorgeous drop dead, gorgeous, woman right blonde blue eyes skin tight white bodysuit and and then you have this this looming gigantic cloaked figure uh you know and i just i dug i dug everything about him i dug their origin story uh, i liked that they were street level characters so um 
So I was definitely excited by the premise of this graphic novel. And it's, it's it, like all of these, it's a relatively short one. So it's, it's, this premise is pretty simple. We get a prologue uh, from back uh, 100 years before the book. And it's basically just a Jack the Ripper uh, short story where Jack the Ripper is going around killing and, um, and, and that, and then we're, we're fast forwarded to the current times and cloak and dagger are like hanging about as they are want to do. And they see what they think is a woman getting robbed of a uh, pearl necklace. (laughs) And they, they, they swap, they, they force the ne'er do wells into cloaks, um, uh, inside of his cloak, and for anyone listening that doesn't know about Cloak and Dagger, basically, uh, his cloak is a doorway into another dimension, the the, the dark dimension, and um, and and if you get stuck inside there, if you're human, it, it effectively totally almost drives you insane. It it makes you relive your worst acts and your greatest fears and that sort of thing, and and so. Um, he, he sometimes would put people in there permanently, like horrible people as, as purgatory or, or, or eternal damnation. Um, but often he would do that. He would put them in there, then spit them back out. And they would just kind of be just jacked up to the point where they were easily subdued or defeated or what have you. So they throw this crew in there, but it turns out that the crew were actually undercover cops. And so they totally misread what had been going on and they just overreacted. And so they're feeling real down about it kind of feeling some kind of way, getting an argument, what have you. Um, and so Dagger heads back to the cathedral where they um, where they are kind of shacked up. And there's this super creeper of a Catholic priest in the cathedral. And uh, and he's he's Father Delgado. And he's he's like as she walks in, he's sitting here in his thought bubble talking about how he's studying these ancient texts and trying to figure out a way to exercise the demon from Cloak because he's clearly a demon who's who's possessing and taking away the life of the of the angel of light who he needs to protect. And it's very obvious that he has got a mad crush on Cloak. And so she comes in and asks for his help. And he's like, oh, I'll help you here. You know, go in here, rest up, clean up, and I'll take care of this. And then Cloak shows up. And dude pulls out a, you know, a, he pulls out a crucifix and he's like, cast ye away, demon. And Cloak's like, bruh, I'm not a fucking demon. Like, you know me. I'm like, I'm a dude. Like, what are you talking about? And, uh, and, and, uh, dude, Father Delgado throws, uh, throws holy water on, on, on Cloak. And Cloak's like, that's not going to have any effect on me. And then it burns the shit out of him. So he's like, what the fuck? So he 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 teleports away. He's like, damn, I didn't expect that. And then in in something that would never happen in comics in today, this is definitely an 80s trope. After all this happens, Cloak comes out, I'm mean, rather, Dagger comes out of of the door that we saw her walk into, having just showered. And she's standing in this cathedral, naked, with a towel very sexily wrapped around her, just ever so covering her 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 nether regions. Being like, what happened, Father? I thought I heard Cloak. And he's like, no, it's all good. It's all good. I'm here to protect you, child. And then she's like, okay. And and she walks back, presumably, to like her bedroom or whatever. And it's her, and you can, you know, it's, it's it, the scene is drawn where you, you see her from behind and she's all looking sexy and stuff. And the priest is just leering at her. And you're like, damn, dude, like this priest is low down. You know, he's low down. Um, and, and then the, the book takes a turn where Cloak's like, why the fuck did the why the fuck did the 
the holy water burned me. Like, I don't get this. Like, I'm, I'm not a demon. Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> and, then, and then we get inside the dark dimension, and there's uh, a demon. And I wish it had been, like, nestier or something. You know, ah, that would have been cool. Yeah. But it was just another demon. A pretty cool, really cool demon, though. Um, cloven with this really spiky armor. Um, uh, sort of a demonic reptilian horned face with giant fangs uh, pretty well designed yeah. uh, almost like as if Mephisto had like a a, a, a love child with Fin Fang Foom yeah. you know and if um, you want to see the image of this beast you can go to mm-hmm. 11 click on the link for this episode and it'll be in the gallery oh, yeah look at you check yeah. us out so and then you get you get to learn about he's this is Marvel seemingly has what a thousand different dark uh, satanic devil dimension rulers there's like a thousand dark dimensions in marvel but this one is kind of um spends a few pages pontificating about well shit this sucks like cloak's been my cloak cloak and dagger been my source of of a lot of sustenance lately she's always given him that that good good light i need me some more of it he's trying to get his fix he's he's like i I can't have cloak and then break up like this isn't going to work for me we need to figure out something so i know what i'll do i have all these horrible people in my dimension dark dimension stuck i'm gonna bring one of them out and i'm gonna force them back together because they're gonna have to stop this 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 evildoer and so who do they bring back well you guessed it from the from the prelude he he brings back the spirit of jack the ripper and jack the ripper it, it doesn't it he comes out as almost like green glowing kind of faceless energy being um, puts on his a, a trench coat and hat like he used to wear in the day, and uh, goes about killing. And 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 his his master's like, dude, don't like you got to kill. So you got to look like you got to look like you're you're you know you got to you, you can't kill like yourself. You got to you got to kill like Cloak. Make it look like Cloak did it because we want to cause some. We want to we want to force her to save him. And uh and. and Jack the Ripper's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you let me out of your dimension, I'm gonna go do me. Like, I kill the way I kill. And uh, and then hijinks ensue, you know, they battle them, they kind of shift back and forth between Victorian England and, and now. Um, as you might imagine, they they eventually vanquish him and they get they reunite Cloak and Dagger together. Um, and and during the kind of the the climax, and this is important, and it actually, at least for a while, did matter in the continuity of their story. She just, she kind of is like overloaded with her light. She hasn't been feeding him, and she just lets it all go inside of him. Um, a little bit of a, a it's, it's ironic, right? The, the woman lets it go inside of the, the man. Um, and it overwhelms the demon and basically vanquishes him. And suddenly, Cloak is like, dude, I'm like, I'm me again. So, at least for a time, she essentially cured Cloak of the the darker impulses, and uh, and they also, of course, beat Jack the Ripper, and then they walk off happily ever after, in essence. And uh, except for the pre- and then the priest is like, he's he's mad, bro. You know, he's like he's angry because he didn't get his taste, and uh, that's about that. I thought it was a good, like it's it was a very it was just a good. Cloak and Dagger story, it, it could have easily been in something you read in and ongoing that they were featured in over two or three issues. Um, I thought it looked great, great. I thought Stroman and Williamson were a terrific combination. Um, this yeah. is a very different Stroman than what people might know from X-Factor or some of his more recent work, um, probably because 
Williamson wasn't inking him on those. That's the um, thing. That's the thing. I think Williamson saved the day on this because yeah, yeah. Larry has a propensity to exaggerate. Sure. And right, that's right. great, but, you know, um, not on Cloak and Dagger. The, where the exactly. draw is is a is a realistically proportioned young lady, mm-hmm. and yeah. a dude. You know what I mean? He, you can go crazy with the cloak, but when you come to Cloak and Dagger, you expect a certain level of realism along the lines of Brett Blevins, and Strowman gets a little nutty, you know, at times with like his look at the the X Factor work, right? Mm-hmm. It, the, the, especially the second round got a little strange. Where I think uh, Williamson did him a huge favor on this book. It it it, it almost doesn't look like Larry Stroman in some spaces, right? Right, and and it is fair to say that Stroman uh, prior to this was the ongoing artist on the Cloak and Dagger comic, the ongoing yeah. uh, a year or two before this, and it's you can see the Carl Potts connection because uh, Stroman's run on Alien Legion, so I assume that's where the connection comes from. Yeah. Um, and then it's worth saying that Bill Mantlo, who wrote this, was he created Cloak and Dagger. He was the he was the creator of them uh, about a decade before this. Mm-hmm. So poor Bill. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I, I liked it a lot. I really, I mean, it was straightforward. There wasn't a lot to it, um, but I thought it was super well executed. And Jack the Ripper was probably a smart public domain character that they could draw from. Um, you know, it definitely was interesting that considering it came out in the eighties, how, how much of a creeper they made the priest out to be. Um, it would feel a little cliched if they did that in 2021, but, uh, back then it was probably a little more saucy to see a priest all creeped out like that. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I enjoyed it. Did you guys read this one back in the day or recently or recall it at all? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, I don't, I didn't, haven't recalled it until you, you start talking on about it now. But yeah. mm-hmm. so there you go. So all some of these OGNs were dope. Oh yeah. Oh, there was a lot of really good ones. Mm-hmm. Not- yeah, and it's worth noting, and we may have mentioned this when we talked about making the book. We we avoided some of the more obvious picks because we had felt like we all read them anyway, and that we had already, like we vividly recalled them, and we were trying to at least experience something we hadn't all already committed to memory and that type of thing. So, but yeah, there were definitely some to spread love. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love cloak and dagger? Seriously. Seriously. I don't, apparently the editors today don't. It's weird. Right. And I know they played a part in the runaways, but I don't know. We had to have seen them recently. Like I mean, in in, in yeah. recent years, not. I feel like they were they are always in like the, the these these they're always part of a Fakakta tie-in book for one of these events. They'll be like King in Black Cloak and Dagger, you know, yeah, type of thing. And and I you know that doesn't serve me because I avoid those things generally now. But um, yeah, so favorite. Cloak and Dagger art. Well, this is a silly question because I'm sure we're all going to say the same thing. Rick Leonardi. Close. Very close. Who are you going to say? Who are you going to say? That's what I would have said. Yeah. Yeah, now that you mention it, I'm going to go with Leonardi. Yeah. Okay. What were you thinking? Well, I mean, 
I don't think was I have a vague recollection of Silvestri drawing them at one time. Am I wrong? Hmm. Um, like Blevins, okay, that would be my my that would yeah Ble- Blevins, Blevins would be yeah Blevins and and Leonardi. It, it I don't know I don't know what which one I'm going to pick there. If I had a, a a die, I would roll it to find out because they're both yikes, ex- extremely good. I, they're upstairs. In oh, the box. All right, hey, just uh, maybe. Yeah, you're messing with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, we all know what Blevins can do. That's that's, that's really that's not right. even up for debate. But now, nah, this is one of those where I gotta have to I have to go with the with the guy who was there at the beginning. And I mean, that that's the version I think when I when I see her prancing into into action and and you know, cloak behind her it's yeah it's this is this deadly and and in her face with the with the brand over her eye yeah no it, that's that's it's, it's it's rick for me yeah he's so good so the, there were there were some cloak and dagger digital originals the last few years what yeah good john stuff okay like dennis hopeless actually wrote wrote one of them which interests me um, with Francisco Mana and David Messina on the art, so yeah, I, I yeah, did not know that. I think there are Cloak and Dagger. Um, it's either Epic Collections or is there a Cloak and Dagger Omnibus? Yes, this month. This um, month, yeah. I know. I see Volume Two this month. Wow. Yeah, it's hold on. It's um. Ba, 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 ba. It's, um, you know, because I wanted to see what it collects. And it collects uh, Volume 2, written by Bill Mantlo, Peter Begillis, Terry Austin, Steve Gerber, and Terry Cavanaugh. Pencils by Stroman, Blevins, Larry Alexander, Terry Shoemaker, Dan Lawless, Wills Potasio, June Brigman, Eric Larson, Mike Vosberg, Rick Leonardi, Dave Ross, and Chris Ivey. Collects Marvel graphic novel Cloak and Dagger, Predator and Prey. Wow. Strange Tales from 1987, number seven. Mutant Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger, numbers one through 13. <laughs> Cloak and Dagger from 1990, numbers 14 through 19. I guess they renamed it. Yeah. And material from Strange Tales in 1987, numbers three, four, five, and six, and eight through 19. 800 pages, 100 bucks. That's not yep, bad. And I, I received the. Volume one from DCBS. So I was checking here. Uh, it's, I'm sure it's still in the shrink wrap downstairs. Um, but that collected, and it came out uh, just a few months ago, actually. Um, you can still get. I think it's still in print. Uh, that collected Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, sixty-four, mm-hmm. sixty-nine, seventy, eighty-one, eighty-two, ninety-four through ninety-six. The Cloak and Dagger miniseries one through four. Marvel Team Up Annual six. Marvel Fanfare. 19, New Mutants 23 through 25, the 1985 Cloak and Dagger uh, series 1 through 11, which I believe the majority was drawn by Strowman, Doctor Strange number 78, the Marvel graphic novel Cloak and Dagger Power Pack, Shelter from the Storm, mm-hmm. and Strange Tales number 1 and 2. That Peter Parker stuff is Frank Miller. Not all of it. Some of it. Because some of it's Jim Mooney. The first two parts? Or the first two issues? 
What issues? What, what issue numbers? 6, 4, 69, 70, 81, 82, 94, 96. I think the '60s ones are, are um, Miller. I know Miller did the two-parter where Daredevil was helping Peter right. overcome his blindness. Right, 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 right. And then, hmm, we should investigate that. Okay, one of these days, look into yes. it. Right. Well, yeah, we can do that. Because they reprinted that as a special edition, so you can get both issues in one. Oh, spe- special like, like edition. The, like they used to do with the uh, with with the hard traveling heroes. DC tried to do that, and I think seven seven uh, books. Fun fact: Spectacular Spider-Man number sixty-four, otherwise known as the first appearance of Cloak and Dagger, sure, written by as we already established, Bill Mantlo, pencils by Ed Hennigan, yes, inks oh. by Al Milgram. Yeah, Hannigan. Hannigan's another one who did a lot of the spectacular Spider-Man issues, and then he he did mostly covers. Uh, but yeah, he was um, uh, before he was crazy. He he was the uh, he absolutely was um, the the go-to guy to set up covers for Marvel mm-hmm. and DC. Uh, Sixty-nine and seventy were also Hannigan. Um, so wrong. let's see. Well, you might not be. There's still a bunch more issues here. 81. Oh, at his point, Frank. Uh, 81 and 82 were Jim Mooney and Al Milgram. There we go. Uh, and then nine, let's see if 94, 96 saves Vince's bacon. No, probably not. No. I'm no. guessing it's the covers Frank Miller did then. Uh, probably. It looks like Milgram and Mooney again. God yeah. damn it. So. There you go. So there you go. whole bunch of shit. <laughs> right? Shit. <laughs> yeah. You heard. There you go. 880 pages on that joint. It's not bad. I like it when they go over 800. If I'm going to pay 50 bucks, it better be over like seven, 800 pages. Yes, sir. And that's half price. Discount comic book service. Damn sticky, sticky. Yeah. Throw him another bone. What y'all got? You got anything? Yeah, I got lots. Um, you know what? I have something that's very close. Well, it's not very close, but thematically it's in the same ballpark as cloak and dagger Mm. a a, a symbiotic relationship between a a man and a woman um sometimes the woman goes into or into the man right as with cloak and dagger Mm -hmm. how she 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 feeds him with her no she feeds him with her light this is somewhat uh, you know linked but not really i just use it as a bridge um i talked about this book the last time in episode 630. So it's been a while, almost 100 episodes, since I talked this book up. Mm-hmm. It's from Kodansha. And it's written and illustrated by Sun Takeda. And it is called Gleipnir. And I read volumes 4 to 8, which probably are top off at around 900 pages. Right? Maybe, let's see, six, seven, anywhere between 750 to 900. I don't know. I didn't count the pages, but um, I talked it up before. In short, it all starts with a crashed alien spaceship. The aliens were having massive environmental damage to their home planet, so they cleaning up the place. And uh, the alien, that's what we'll call him, uh, and his brethren they leave the planet and they eventually crash on earth but these aliens don't need a physical form like we do 
they can assume various forms. There's one um, section where the alien asks one of the main characters for a hair. Uh, he wanted a pubic hair, but she's like, I'm not going to give you a pubic hair. And he, he takes one of her, he already took one of her hairs out of her head and he eats it and assumes her form exactly. There we so, go. Yeah, they're, 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 they're shapeshifters, but they have no definitive form. Um, so the ship crashes and all of the uh, alien essences are scattered around the area, but they're in coin form. So there's kind of a Pokemon aspect to this where you got to catch them all. Um, and the alien is rounding up all of his friends, uh, but he needs help, right? So should you find a coin or a number of coins, the alien will use those coins. You give him the coins and he will use the coins to bestow fantastic powers upon you. And the more coins you give him, the more of his friends he retrieves, uh, the more power you are given, right? So the goal is to collect 100 coins for the alien in exchange for massive power. So you got a bunch of people, uh, transformed people, people with strange powers bestowed by the alien, um, running around killing each other, basically, to retrieve the coins, right? Uh, what kind of power are they going to be given? Well, that depends on the heart of the one that has the most coins. So uh, in order to save the earth, uh, benevolent, well-being, um, well, well-meaning uh, people better damn get those 100 coins. Because if somebody nasty gets the 100 coins, shit's going to go down, right? So uh, it, I said I read volumes 4 to 8. This uh, run fleshes out a group of uh, people uh, the main characters uh, Shuichi and Claire have joined. Now, remember, Shuichi is a, is a boy, and he suddenly finds himself with the ability to transform into an anthropomorphic dog costume. <laughs> he transforms into a costume, with complete with a zipper up the back. He's got powers, he's strong, he can jump, he can rend, he's physically uh, formidable. But he's a dog. He's a fuzzy dog, anthropomorphic with, with uh, you know, uh, clothes and suspenders and a T-shirt. It's like it's something you would not uh, be surprised to see at a sporting event, like a mascot type thing, right? But he transforms into a costume and the zipper opens, as do uh, most costumes, and Claire has taken it upon herself to enter the costume. And when they're together, they can do pretty neat things because uh, Shuichi is mild-mannered, uh, very reasonable, very low-key, very modest young man. He sacrifices himself in favor of those he cares for. Like, he's a, just a very stand-up guy. Claire's not like that. She's, she's a bit bloodthirsty. Uh, she's a bit cold. Um, a little... Uh, affected, let's just say. There's something really going on with Claire. Um, turns out her parents were killed by her sister. Her sister seems to have alien-bestowed powers, too. So for a lot of the series, there's, well, a good chunk of the series, initially, they're searching for Elena, the sister, 
right? Um, but uh, they join a group because there's strength in numbers, right? And they, this group is not exactly the all-powerful group they hope to uh, join, but it's a bunch of uh, misfits, uh, each with you know, kind of, uh, you know, they have superhuman powers, but not anything that you would be like, damn, I wish I had that. You know, like a, a, a Kryptonian power set or a Daxamite. You know what I mean? If you had a Daxamite's power, you'd be like, shit, I am the big man. You know, one girl... Um, her name is Chihiro. She wanted to be a vet, right? So her power is she can, she has this special bond with animals. She can tell, you know, what an animal's feeling or she's, she, there, there's an empathetic bond between her and animals. And when she got the power, the alien gave her fox ears. I don't know if it was a joke on the part of the alien, but um, she's a young lady, beautiful young lady, lithe, very thin, uh, very, very low body fat. Um, and she has fox ears. So there's one point in the, in the story where um, she tells Shuichi she lost her wallet. And that's not a good thing. When you have all your personal details in the wallet, uh, somebody that's not uh, on your side could find the wallet and trace you back to your parents or your loved ones and just kill them right i mean this is a bloodthirsty battle to get these coins so she, her her wallet's out in the field and she's like I, I lost my wallet so shuichi's said okay i'll help you find the wallet and while they're doing this they run into uh, a very very nasty character called subaru that's his name subaru i know um <laughs> and he transforms into this massive two-headed male female abomination it's extremely powerful so uh, before they run into this this character um chihiro says you know what and shuichi agrees i gotta get in the suit because if anything goes down i think i'll be more protected in you in inside of you so uh, i'm just gonna crawl in there right and uh like i said shuichi's very modest He's a very upstanding young gentleman. Uh, initially, when Claire went into his costume, she did so nude, and he freaked out. Right? You got a nude woman. Claire's very buxom. She's blonde. She's got big boobs. Um, and uh, he he kind of felt some kind of way having this nude woman. I mean, it's very intimate, right? You're bonding. You're, you're in essence, sharing the same physical space with a woman, and you're a man, young man, in, in, in the, the throes of puberty. And you got this beautiful young lady inside of you and she's nude. What? So um, Chihiro just strips down to nothing and goes in. And he's like, wait, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I don't know. I, I just got in. Um, shit hits the fan. Uh, but the fact that she is, in, in terms of her personality, uh, she's very much like Shuichi. She's she's uh, she has a very overpowering sense of duty, responsibility, selflessness. She cares about people. She empathizes with not only animals but but people in general. They're basically uh, the same uh, character profile, right? Because of that, holy shit! The power that ignites when she's inside of him. She turns into this creature. Uh, 
that her skin turns black. It's got white cracks in it. And she's she's got two giant foxtails. Her eyes turn blank. She's got this goofy expression that the anthropomorphic dog has. But it she's just incredible, right? And she survives. They both survive. The fact that um, they've been paired. And because they're so emotionally similar in you know something kicks into gear and they become this like supercharged character uh that creates some kind of problems right uh because claire doesn't like the fact that shuichi has paired with somebody other than herself um and the fact that she was completely nude during the process is only the tip of her iceberg of concerns um because he's the tip just tip. He's very guard. Shuichi's very garden. He's modest, right? And he has issues with Claire entering him nude. She says it's sweltering hot in the costume, but uh, so because of his feelings, she has resorted to wearing a bathing suit when they pair. And so Yoshioka's in there nude. It concerns her very much. Like why? Well, with Shuichi, she Claire believes that she's finally found a sense of belonging. Like she's, I'll be honest, she's kind of a whack job, um, and and pushes people away. But with this kid, she kind of thinks that he's her other half, and he's just being a lot of times just being polite. You know, uh, they're effective when they're together, but nowhere near as effective as um, his latest pairing, right? Uh, but she's extremely protective of her perceived bond with Shuichi. And she throws herself between anyone that tries to get close to her partners. Like, she needs the kid, right? But the inverse uh, may not be true, right? And this is going to lead to conflict in the future. But So I read five volumes of this thing. Uh, and the story goes in, in weird and crazy direct, uh, directions. But I I was just really inspired, right, by the fact that when he bonds with someone who is emotionally akin to himself, that they get supercharged, superpower, right? This amazing ability. They don't, they're, they're not as strong as, like, they survived by the skin of their teeth. But they still survived, right? Which is crazy. Um, there is, uh, it, it's in essence a, a race to collect 100 coins, but someone has already, un, unknown to them, someone has already collected 100 coins. And it's a dude from Shuichi's and Claire's past. And it's a, it's a guy who can resurrect the dead. If you were the leader of a band of soldiers, let's just say, um, fighting to obtain these very desirable things uh, in this this war, and you could raise the dead or revive fallen uh Soldiers, like, game over, right? You've you've won. Um, but uh, it, it's a person from their past that uh, can fill holes in Shuichi's memory. And there's there's uh, examples of the past within the five volumes. Like, I won't say because I don't want to spoil it. But a lot of these characters have been together before, and they don't remember it. Something has happened. Uh, the uh, the aliens gift in in quotes uh, may have uh, at least with Shuichi it it uh, pressed the reset button. But uh, one of the concerns I have with uh, a book like this is there's a lot of nudity in it, 
and there's a lot of eroticism, right? Uh, uh, of course, the whole conceit of a, a, a boy that turns into a costume and a girl that gets into him and has to be nude because it's sweltering hot in the costume. Like, some people would call that fan service, right? Wouldn't you call that fan service? From what you know fan service to be? Sure. Yeah, of course. But is it really? Right? Like, look at Jeff Darrow. Is is mm-hmm. Jeff Darrow's obsession with dinosaurs fan service? Fan service is, mm-hmm. it, it, by definition, giving the fans what they want. Mm-hmm. Right? So fans of Jeff Darrow, we, we would assume, would want to see dinosaurs because he draws them really, really well. Right? He seems to be extremely happy visually when he's drawing dinosaurs. They're 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 every they're they're an uh, energetic and uh, an explosion of beautiful lines uh, that work really well on the page. So yeah, Jeff Darrow loves to draw dinosaurs. But so I'm going through this thing, and I, and I don't feel bad for reading it at all because I like nude women, right? I like the female form. I'm not ashamed of it. Here, here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking, I don't think this is fan service so much as it is creative indulgence, right? It's the the the, the creator, uh, in this case, uh, Sun Takeda, d- drawing naked women because he loves to draw naked women. Uh, I, the art is phenomenal. It, it's extremely good. It's very it's dark. Really good. Though. It's very dark. Uh, some of the creatures that um, the alien, like the, the result of the aliens' intervention on some of these characters, are extremely disturbing, uh, immeasurably so. Like uh, that's what attracted me to the book initially was the 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 black uh, alien uh, uh, superpowered beings. But if you look at Claire, like tiggle bitties, like giant boobs. Uh, and but the thing is, these are high school students. Mm. Yeah, we've reached a snafu. <laughs> we have. <laughs> yes, we have. But um, they they are high school students in the fact that we are told. Other than that, they're lines on paper, right? <laughs> right, that is true. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, but they're they're lines on paper designed to interpret something specific sure this is true but um there are no there are no laws being uh broken here. correct yes i mean yeah it's it's i, I think how, this is a, how this someone is, views you go ahead no i think this is the way a lot of people work out their demons right hmm. and people meaning creative drawing things. it or reading it well both yeah i i mm-hmm. think it it's a it's a way for the forbidden to be consumed without it actually being forbidden. Right? And some of, like, there, it's not explicit in the fact that, um, as with most uh, manga, the depiction of genitalia is forbidden. You don't see it. So it's just like a void between the legs, right? You don't see anything, right? But it's the poses are very lascivious like there's it's it's a very sexy time right i don't have a problem with it 
because again, I look at it as uh, these aren't real people. These are these are lines on paper designed to be real people. So I don't feel bad. Nobody's getting hurt. Uh, it's it's either the you know it's it's the the creator working out their demons. Great, and I like looking at great art, which this definitely falls under the category. Um, but uh, if if you are a liberal uh, consumer of of manga and you you know. You're not going to balk at the fact that you know these are young, not 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 extremely young. They're they're high school age, right? Um, characters. Some of them get naked. There's uh, one of the uh, one of the young ladies uh, who runs or who is the head of the uh, the group that uh, Shuichi and Claire joined. She's she's a lesbian and she's not afraid to let you know it. And of course, she has eyes for Claire. And the initiation into the group, ah, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, your mileage may vary, but it's it's a little it's a little squeamish, right? It's a little rapey, <laughs> mm. uh, you know. It, it kind of is. I'll be honest, but there's something about the premise of this book that um, kind of like a Shazam, Captain Marvel type thing, where you have two characters uh, occupying. Um, Maybe one, like, you don't know where Claire goes into the, it's like almost the inverse of Captain Marvel, actually, because Claire goes into the costume. Shuichi is the costume, but where does Shuichi really go? There's one uh, volume where Shuichi gets his, the, the, the anthropomorphic dogs, the head, someone rips off the head. Right? So, and they said, it's, it's said that if Claire got out of the costume, that Shuichi would die. But she oh, okay. do- she doesn't get out of the costume. She goes to the alien. She has a coin, luckily. And she's like, fix this. Mm. And he does. And now Shuichi has a scar on his neck from on his when he tr- when he transforms into uh, human, he's got a scar on his neck from where his head was ripped off. But his head was never ripped off. The 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 anthropomorphic dog costume's head was ripped off. See what I mean? Like it's it's intriguing, it's fascinating, and it's just a little sleazy. I got you. That's all. Yeah, I love this series. I think I, think I see. Got- there's a Reddit discussion on it, and uh, and it, it says the lesbian scene was highly inappropriate. No one can argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of was because she has yeah. Claire on her Claire, because Claire's in the bathing suit. And and I, I forget the name of the, the the young lady that runs the. I don't even think they they Takeda tells you. Um, she gets Claire on her back, and she uh, the young lady takes off her clothes, and and you know she gropes her, and it's like, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's not exactly. You know, I don't know you. I don't think you would want your kids to read it. It's, and again, it's not explicit at all. It's it's more implied. There's one panel where there's roaming hands, but it's more that what's implied than what's actually shown. Uh, but uh, it's 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 good girl art. In, in I was going to say. I mean, I, I think you're making this sound more inappropriate than it is. I mean, this is a mainstream manga. It was published by Kodansha. Yeah. Um, it was turned into an anime. Oh yeah. It, it, it you know and 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 listen the. Japanese fan service among anyone that's ever looked through an entire previews catalog can understand that oh, yeah. you will find 30 to 40 images exactly like what you're seeing if you Google Gleepnir right now. 
sold as statues yeah. every single month. Yep. No, I, I admittedly I often wonder who's buying those statues because I think <laughs> I think like, they're too expensive. But anyway, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I also think like my wife's very understanding, but I think she'd give me the serious side eye if I rolled out with one of those. But but my point is, this is not some I, like I feel like you're positioning it like you've unearthed some dark web manga and like oh no no it's it. not that no, bad. no this is a mainstream manga that that is that is very popular and, and is not considered pedophilic or inappropriate it 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 i mean it it is not positioned that way no but point. like it is they a mainstream are. accepted so yeah they are underage kids though yeah that's all are they though yeah i mean they're in high school but is is it i mean are they in high school like riverdale's in high school or like 902 and O's in high school where i mean well no there's never people it's are, nest- people are banging in riverdale every single episode right and, it's not and, specifically said how old they are they're just in point, high school right? like like again you're i think you're making it sound more pure pure uh yeah. than it is because riverdale if you if anyone's watched the show it's the this the, now the show's continued on but but when the show starts they're freshmen in high school and archie the the veritable poster boy for archie comics is in a like a super hot sex scene with his teacher and now admittedly the the actor is a grown-ass man he's in his tw- right. 20s when he does the scene but but you're watching it you're supposed to think this is a freshman in high school banging the shit out of his teacher like so my point is is like this isn't even that i mean these are high school students in a in a in a sexualized environment but that is not in and of itself i would say uh like a social like moray like it may feel a little creepy to some and that's fine they probably be the same kind of people that wouldn't watch riverdale or wouldn't watch 90210 but but like i just uh i don't know i just felt like you were you almost felt like you were putting too much of a disclaimer on this as if like the hey this is this is not for the faint of heart this is gonna really stretch your moral boundaries that that's not what this no is. no it's not ratsuki doji no uh, I don't know what that is, but I'm the I legend of the Overfiend. It's extremely graphic. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I will say, in the five volumes that I read, I think it's volume four that uh, the uh, combination between Chihiro and uh, Suichi that was the 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 top, the tippity top, because the the combining of these two characters visually is amazing. There's even uh, a statue. Of of uh, Chihiro when she bonds, uh, it's sold out at Hobby Link Japan. But whatever uh, the uh, so, I love it. But I think that, that that he doesn't do enough with this bonding. Maybe he will later on in the series. I don't know. Uh, uh, volume nine didn't come out yet, so there's still a lot of ground to cover. But the the peak so far is volume four. When uh, Chihiro and uh, Shuichi bond, it's just, character design is amazing. It's phenomenal. Look at the cover. Just Google Volume Four. I'll have it in the in the gallery. She's just uh, it's blistering. The character design, wonderful. There you go. Blistering Gleep- says yes. It is blistering. It's beautiful. Gleipnir, love it so much. <laughs> Who doesn't? You may too. Seriously. There you go. No, in a way, it's almost like a like a mech, right? Like a symbiote. Like she almost climbs into him like a mech, right? Yeah, but it's all yeah, it's 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 all fleshy. But he's and a giant sweaty. killer teddy bear. Teddy bear. Yeah, and he's he's got he's got moves, man. 
Jagger. Like Jagger? Or? Okay, maybe. Moves like a cat. How many times have they said in in the uh, Jason Aaron Mahmoud Ashrar that Conan moves like a cat? I want to I want to send Jason a letter and say yeah okay we got it he moves like a cat <laughs> <laughs> they say it all the time he dads he moves like a cat he does okay let's move on can he move like something else that's really fast <laughs> he moves like Quicksilver but we don't know what Quicksilver is at this period in time. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have gotta have more uh, no I mean I've... you just on Death's part Jesus yeah there is because I it, there isn't um, no I was, I was reading some stuff for, for later for this week and, and I just um, the only thing I really have is something I could do for your travel so I'm just I'm just trying to like get, get caught up on some things and chip away at some of these piles so i'm i'm kind of i'm gonna wait until i read a couple of things and then a couple of consecutive issues and, and speak on us that are just you know right at that and mm-hmm. one at a time ah uh, that's a good idea it's a good idea. well hey one thing i know we read last week Dap, that we didn't discuss uh was snow angels this is true this is true we very much can do that yeah so that was the I'd say uh, reasonably anticipated. Like, I was going to say much anticipated. I don't know if it was much anticipated because I don't know that the awareness of this channel of comics is, is large enough to call it must much anticipated. But this was uh, a Comixology original. It was Jeff Lemire's um, anticipated debut on Comixology originals uh, with Jock on art. So another book that Vince just can't wait to buy. Um, <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I know you're out. Um, it it has a lot going for it for me. It's written by Jeff. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a massive Jock fan, but I definitely don't dislike him. I've enjoyed quite a lot of the um, quite a lot of, of what he's done. Um, so that was fine. Uh, and, and so Lumiere written and post apocalyptic. So it should have been a no brainer for me. I must admit, I haven't even talked to you, Dap, about what you thought of it, but I, I thought it was a bit of a whiff. Um, there were things about it I liked. In essence, the entire issue is a setup of this world, um, which is, again, post-apocalyptic. It looks like there's been some kind of ice age, or they're in some kind of ice age, or the, or the, the planet itself is just an ice planet, but they are... We're introduced to a family of, of a father and two daughters. Uh, it is one of the daughters, I believe, 12th birthday, if memory serves. Yes. Um, they're out on a hunt in honor of her birthday. They're going further out from their home than they normally would. And I, But I guess as the premise goes, it's basically like they're in inside of a gigantic... It's, it's as if um, the scene from Star Wars where the X-Wings are flying to blow up the Death Star. And they're in, they're in that little sort of cavernous in incline that space between the two walls of the of, of the of the of the death star it's like that only so it's like two giant ice peaks almost like mountains and there's a channel in between them like a valley and it's not that wide though it's like it's almost like an ice rink size width and apparently that ex- that that's the world they live in and the length of it like goes on as far as they know infinitely but 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 width wise, it's very, very it's tight. It's like you know it's like a couple like a city block or two. Um, 
and it and basically they're ice skating on on this surface trying to come up on some loot for dinner and they do and then they kind of and then they make their way back and there's a big reveal which I won't spoil but it's like the aha the the, the and sets the tone for I guess what we're going to have happened in the rest of this arc um so so I, there were things I like about it I, I don't I don't think Jeff is really capable of writing a terrible book um he's very good at characterization certainly that's one of his strong suits so I was grooving like I I immediately felt the sincerity of the father and daughter relationships uh of the sibling dynamic I thought that was well done um I thought the gravitas of the aha moment near the end of the book the climax was legitimate but I think the combination of Jock's art, which is very graphic, right? Again, I'm a fan of it. Vince is not. Dap is, but it's graphic either way. I mean, it's 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 not very lifelike or or intricate. Um, so I, the graphic nature of the art, the sparseness of this all white Arctic setting, and then the idea that it's just like, okay, it's post apocalyptic, but they're stuck in this little ice crevice where they have to ice skate around everywhere. Like eh, it seemed sort of, I don't know. It, it didn't draw me in. Like it seemed like a really uninteresting setting an uninteresting world. I, I, I want to be wowed. If you're going to be post-apocalyptic, let me be wowed by it, by the devastation or the, or that, or that the it's led to this treacherous environment, but visually, it just, Visually, it seemed like it was almost as if Jeff was like, "Well, listen, this is digital comic, Jock. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make you break your back. I just have a story to tell, so don't worry about your own backgrounds. It's all ice anyway." And I just was like, mm, "Nah, I need more. I mean, it's Jeff, and I don't need much from from him beyond that. But I, I need more than that. So I, I, I it's Comicsology Unlimited, so I'll, I'll read it uh, because I don't have to pay for it. But I, I don't think." If this were a four ninety nine image comic that I bought, I don't think I'd be re-upping for issue two. That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I I read it because it is Jeff. I you know like all right first issue. I mean my man knows how to hook you early on, whether it's Sweet Tooth or Descender or or Black Hammer or whatever. So. Um, I'm I'm going to give this a shot on his name alone. I do like Jock. I I think Jock looked great. I, for me, Jock. I don't want to say it's he he peaked there, but I mean, for me, when I think of Jock, I think of the losers. That's definitely that's yeah. where you know. I think yep. I, I hate to say the word oh peak, but it's it's I just that's what I envision. I I, I do dig most of his covers, but um, I I think he does some really great images. Um. But when it comes to to his sequentials, I just I because I, even Green Arrow Year One, I it was I, I liked it, but that's not Jock isn't who I picture when 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 I need someone to tell me a Oliver Queen story. But the here in his his um I thought the art was fine as far as uh, telling the story, but. But because it was, it, it, it was kind of light on uh, characters and settings. It, it was um, it was pretty straightforward. You're just, you know, you're getting to know Dad and May and Milliken. And that's basically 
and and apparently dad's got a brother who the girls never knew about and he's like no 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 i meant i meant your mother i meant your mother which was okay so i get so so jeff's sprinkling some things here and there so this way you know you're not just it's not so straightforward and um but yeah it was just it's it's like okay so you know you grow up and yeah, as soon as you're born as long as once you can stand it's like here's some skates and uh that's how you get around and and it's i don't always need to know how the world got this way uh, especially in the first issue as we're setting things up but there are um I, I kind of do since since we're only the conversation the three of them had normally when when you're setting things up like this and and there are enough people having a conversation where you can piece together just based on what they're saying how things are the way they are it, it depends on the writer but here it's just it's just that and the girls and because she's kind of telling it from her point of view um, you're not really getting the full story it's it's weird i mean i i i don't i don't i'm not gonna say it's bad it's not it's just it's it's not usually what i would expect from two creators of of each each strong in their respective fields it's um it's it is interesting i mean i remember reading hearing about it or knowing this was going to come on his uh from his newsletter earlier in the year so i was i thought it was coming out later and then when everybody on the slack was talking about it i was like all right well let me um let me make sure i at least am aware of it um but yeah i don't i i I don't know i it's i think maybe i think after another couple of issues i'll come back and check it out and see see how things have progressed but um it there wasn't yeah, like you, there really wasn't a whole lot for me to come back and see. I'll 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 ask you after you read the second issue, um if there's I'm not gonna say improvement, but if, if we move the story along and if we do, I'll I'll check it out. Otherwise I'll um I'll wait until we get a few issues in and then I'll read it in a chunk and see uh see how it feels that way. Didn't it seem like such an odd conceit to create this environment where they're in like a i don't even know if it's a 200 foot wide ice floor that they have to live on but it theoretically goes on forever i did i don't know if there's some kind of underlying message there about their experience that i'm missing that jeff's gonna wow us with maybe it's in their minds i, I don't know it just seemed like a yeah. really strange like a really strange conceit like like under what auspice would that be the way that the world is set up Right, I don't know. because you're not. I mean, you are. You're out in the open. Anybody looking above you, and anybody above you looking down while you're skating through the alley, is going to pick you off. It's like there's no so. So you have to kind of. You, you just got to hope that there's an opening up ahead in the wall that you can kind of dip into. And I'm sure you know they've been on this path enough times where they kind of know where all the nooks and crannies are. But it's, it's, it's just yeah. It's 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 weird. There's no. Um, you know, I'm not sure really who, who to root for yet. I mean, there's not. I haven't. I, I wasn't given enough to really get comfortable in caring about these characters. Yeah, that's facts. <laughs> Ain't wrong. So there you have it. The the, the, the first and maybe only ever Luke <laughs> Jeff Lemire 
<laughs> review you're going to hear me give on the show. So, and I'm sure this will be the one that people point out to him. Hey, Jeff, they talked about hey, your you. Yeah. yeah, I thought yeah. you guys used to like him. You dicks. Like why? <laughs> I know. He'd be like, I'm this never coming. This will be the episode Jock listens to. Yeah, never it's coming like, back. He's like, man, Sewell was right. <laughs> man, CS was right. That is fucked up. <laughs> Pricks. Dude, you, man. you can't get these. Dude, you know people listen. Like, like how many times? We've been reminded twice in the last month that, that uh, almost... A vast majority of the things we talk about find their way to the creators. Yes, but in, in fortunately, these were complimentary com- uh, yeah, commentaries. No, but but sure, but I I say my name at the start of the episode. We're we're attached to this. I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not saying bringing in the whole, the whole. No, I'm just. I'm. I'm. Wait, say that again. The whole soul thing. Bringing that in, we're gonna get in trouble. I mean, no, you're not. Listen, we've we've established that we we we. No, just, I, we but it's and it's and it's. I mean, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's his loss. I just it's it's. Listen, I'm not, I don't, and anything I said about this, it's not like, you know, Jock needs to go back to the drawing boards. I'm going to fucking show this kid. It, it, I don't, it's not, it, it doesn't mean Jack in, in, in the grand scheme of things. I, you know, and, and yes, we are complimentary and we're not, we're not saying anything that we wouldn't say if, if we were having drinks at the Hyatt or, or even on a con floor, but it's just, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I know, and, and we want to, we want to make sure we kind of just focus on on the highlights and stuff but it's you know it, it it is what it is and and i know even on the slack some of the folks were like you know it's 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 not it's still good comics but it's not you know we've we've all read things by jeff that has knocked our socks off for sure yeah Yeah, I don't think we need to be uh, ashamed of anything we've said because we're not hurtful or hateful. We do have opinions. Everyone does, right? Um, you know, um, what is uh, the light of their lives to one person may be not even a spark to another. That's the way it works. Look at you getting all philosophical. No, I don't. Like I, this is Ron and I used to butt heads about this. I don't see the the brilliance in morrissey i don't like the smiths <laughs> i i morrissey just he i don't know what it is about the dude and his music it maybe it's over my head i find nothing attractive about the music or the sound ron is like dude you're out of your mind and i was like okay i just don't get it <laughs> you know, there there are things that that mainline right to your your heart and there are things that bypass you and go around that's one of them for me Mm-hmm. I'm not saying sure. Morrissey's bad, at least not the the sound and the lyrics. Per in in real life, I heard he's not a nice person, but yeah, uh, so. whatever. I don't really care about that. I just care about the music. Um, so yeah, I don't listen. I don't think he sucks, and I don't say he sucks. But it's just and not, you're not going out your way. It's to not say for that. me. It's, no, it's just yeah, not for me. No one wakes up going, "Oh, I'm going to make sure I get this fucking insult in today." No, I right. don't, that that's that's a sad way to live. But it it's no. It, but if someone asked you, "Hey, did you hear this?" No, well, why not? Eh, I, I don't care for you. I get that. Absolutely right. get. Yeah, it, it's you know. I mean, I'll I'll listen to something. My wife will walk in the room. She's like, "What the fuck is this?" And then she'll turn around and walk out. She's just like, "Oh, that's most that's, of the time with me." Well, I bet it is. Yeah, I bet it is. Um, you know, I mean, I'll I'll have you know. New wave or, or or fucking Brit pop from from the eighties or nineties on, and she's just like, I mean, 
some of the songs she'll know, but for the most part, it's just like fucking white people. And she just, and, and so it's, <laughs> she remembers that she married a white dude. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, my God, he's not dancing, but it's, it's just, I, I think, um, it, it's, I bring it up again, but it's, it's me and Zdarsky. I just, I don't see what the appeal is, but everybody, everybody we know in the industry, we have friends who are professional comic book creators who will say things to us like, he's the Alpha and the Omega. It's like, he can't do no wrong. And I'm like, I don't, I, I haven't seen anything like that on the page. I get it. I mean, listen, he's your friend. You're going to ride or die, and that's cool. And you want to make sure, you know, you big up him. And, and, and I get that. I, I, I do it to my friends all the time. But I'm I'm obviously missing something. There's a disconnect there. But not everything is going to, to click with people. I, you know, I mean, I'll... I'll listen to fucking punk rock girl from the Dead Milkman, and it's like, and, and someone will walk by, like, "What the fuck is this?" Well, that's their loss because that's a fucking class. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, just as an addendum, uh, my wife has the absolute worst taste in music ever, <laughs> ever. Uh, the shit she listens to, it's like nails on a blackboard to me. Uh, I don't know what it is, but she tells Alexa to play it every morning, and. Uh, yeah, but does it? Do I tell her it sucks and it's an affront to my my refined taste? No, if it gives her joy, then awesome. That's it. That's go, it. Yes. Go nuts. Go nuts. Right. I'm sure Ornette Coleman and and John Coltrane and all the shit that I listen to sounds like noise to her. I can, you know, whatever. There's a whole big world, and we're all part of it. We could we could share the space, right? Yes, that's what headphones are for. There's room for everything. Noise canceling headphones. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us on this special stealth episode. Of That was the sound effect. Pew, pew, um, pew. Pew, 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 to 11 o'clock comics. Uh, please uh, solicit our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service. And here are three items of which you should investigate. From Boom, it's magic. Number one. I don't know why they didn't put the gathering on it, but it's just magic. It's magic, uh, said the cars and Rick Ocasek. This is uh, <laughs> uh, Jed McKay is the writer. Ig Guara is the artist. Four ninety nine cover price. You are going to pay $2.49. I don't care. If you get mad at me, I got to read this again. Plunge into an absorbing new adventure in this hilarious fantasy manga. People are often reincarnated into fantasy worlds to answer a higher calling. In this case, that means a quest to find the perfect toilet. Behold, as dragon scales are converted into toilet seats and slimes are used as moist wipes in this unique adventure about heroes who truly give a crap. Dungeon Toilet from Seven Seas. Uh, $13.99 cover price. Your price, $7.69. Uh, is it a ritual when y'all do your thing? Or do you just do it and get out? Like, do you make this this grand ceremony? <laughs> or or do you... you when, when I drop it like it's hot? If you want to say it that way, sure. No, are you talking about like... Yeah, when you, when you relieve... In the bathroom, you're talking when, about no, the sex time. No, why? Uh, when, when you relieve yourself of oh. of processed fruit food... Do you, do you make this this grand gesture, or do you just go in and you're done? Oh, it's a it's a it's an entire event. Really? Oh yeah. 
Wow. A good 20, 30 minutes, I would say. Really? My son? Yeah. Like Haven. Yeah, I know the answer for Dap. Dap's got to be at least 15, 20 minutes, right, Dap? I'm not, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm... Do you read? I'm chill. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, now, my son and I have a contest on who can go in and dispose of it and get the hell out faster. He, That's cool. Yeah, he did like a minute and a half. I'm not that fast. Like you ain't wiping fast did enough. Did he wipe? No, that's what I'm saying. Sick. You're not wiping good enough if you're in there a minute and a half. I can do it in like three minutes. I don't know why we're talking. Well, I know why because dungeon toilet. <laughs> um, I I can go in, hit it, quit it, get out, nice and clean, three minutes. I don't belabor the point. I don't see. Okay. The, yeah, no, it ain't for me. That uh, it's not a room. It, it, it is a room, but it's not my addition of room. I don't go in there and just like, ah, oh, yes, it's nice. I like this. This is wonderful. No, bang out. Uh, number three from Marvel. What if original Marvel series omnibus hardcover volume one, massive amount of pages collects. What if numbers one to fifteen and seventeen to twenty two hardcover. I said that already. A hundred dollar cover price. Your price. Fifty damn dollars. You're not going to find it cheaper anywhere. Don't even bother. Don't waste your time looking. That's the thing. Save your time and your energy. Just go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, and you're just going to save. In your travels, Alter Ego number one sixty-seven. What's the cover? Uh, hero. Why it's Captain America. Why is it Captain America and Bucky? Because this is an issue focusing on an underdog. Somebody who did not get their uh, just desserts or their proper praise. It's the man named Sid Shores. Mm. Yeah, it's a really, really informative, really tight issue. Um, Edited by rascally Roy Thomas, of course. In within this pages, you will find Captain America. You're going to find Red Wolf, of course, because uh, Sid worked on that. Um, you know, you're going to find his pulp work, his beautiful, very erotic uh, work he did for the Men's Adventure magazines. Let's see what else we have here. There is a Sid Short inked uh, Frankenstein monster, uh, penciled by John Basima from Monsters Unleashed number four. Shut up. His his Skywald work is in here. It's a really good issue. I mean, it's extensive, the the amount of uh, detailed information on Mister Shores. That uh, he's he's one of those unsung giants, and yeah. Um, yeah, even Roy says, you know, this guy did never didn't get his due. I don't know why being on the ground floor of Marvel uh, back in the day. I don't understand it. Like, I I don't remember why he didn't. Uh, ascend to his the, the heights that he should have uh, but Mr. Monster Michael T. Gilbert talks about Mort Weisinger Ooh. yeah in the Fawcett Collectors uh, of America section you got Harvey Janes writer uh, Secret Agent X Harvey Janes is the dude that wrote the article that accompanied the Mechanics Illustrated Creature from the Black Lagoon cover I have it. It's one of my my favorite um, horror-related collectibles ever. And 
Harvey wrote the feature article for that. But um, yeah, just too many details to list. We're talking 80, 80 pages from tomorrow's. It'll cost you nine ninety five. If you're smart, you would have pre-ordered it from Discount Comic Book Service and paid like 7 bucks and change. But if you're a digital reader, you can go to tomorrows.com, T-W-O, morrows.com, and I think the digital versions of these things are what, three ninety nine. Pretty sure. Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, they're in the ballpark. Um, you're going to learn something. There's, Yeah, we've been around the block as far as comics goes. Every time I read an Alter Ego or Back Issue or uh, any uh, Tomorrow's publication, I walk away smarter than I came into it, right? Or or more learned, let's just say. Alter Ego, 167. Awesome stuff. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting on... Um uh what the back hell issue back issue yeah 125 yeah you and me both buddy says it shipped oh it did mine's going to my next box yeah yeah um yeah because i guess this this is the last week of the month so whatever came out anyway um speaking of catching up on things i got current on rorschach by Tom King and Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart, Clayton Cowles on letters. Um, yeah, the uh, our investigator is still looking into why um, Laura. Uh, basically, she's we find out in, in as the series continues, um, the old man, the artist, wasn't doesn't appear to be the first person she may have uh, manipulated to wearing the mask and um, doing Rorschachy things. And uh, because there's someone she knows who used to work at a carnival, a very strong man who um, also acted out as... Um, as Rorschach, but but the um, yeah we're moving along at a pretty good clip. It, it's still, I mean, each issue is still kind of um, a moment in time during the day. It's 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 you know he's he shows up um, on the scene, and that's pretty much where the entire issue takes place. And uh, the fifth issue, you know, he he um, goes to a bar to meet. The Commissioner Gordon-looking dude who set him up in the first issue to take the case. And um, he goes to meet candidate Turley, who was they were attempting to assassinate in the first issue. Um, and and most of the most of the issue takes place in Turley's office. And um, you know, it, we're we're still. We, we've gotten a little bit more as far as the Watchmen universe goes. Uh, Laura has thought that um, the uh, the squids that uh, Adrian delivered uh, that they're still taking over people's brains, um, and she thinks that Rorschach's soul was transferred by Doctor Manhattan into another person to fight the squids. So um, she 
you know, when she finds Meyerson and, and she convinces him he's Rorschach, um, that, and then we all saw what happened in the first issue and what's happened since. But, um, since it, it's, I'm liking this because of the pacing of it, because of, uh, and Prentice's art is, is great. It really fits the story, I think. Um, but what's interesting is that I, I, I'm, I'm liking this particular story. I, I'm liking Tom's take on this particular story because he's not, I mean, yeah, it, it's, you're getting into people's heads here, but it's not, um, this, this seems to be for me a more, um, straightforward comic book story. Not, not the, um, not the things that uh, like Heroes of Crisis or Vision or most of his Batman run were, where they were all about the psychological aspects of it. Obviously, there are things in here that relate to that, but um, it's a little bit more subtle, I guess, here. I, I just, um, and I think the art also, whereas, you know, with, with what Mitch is doing on. Um, what he did on Mr. Miracle, what he's doing on strange adventures. It's the art is different also from what I usually see with collaborators with, with, with Tom. It's not Clayman, It's not, it's not, uh, Janine. It's not, uh, Finch. It's Fortnite says, a more of a traditional or old, old, uh, I'm going to say old tiny comic book style to a degree. Um, and yeah, I know Doc Sheener does as well, but, um, between Tom's words, the setting in this universe, the, the, the characters he's telling the story with, um, I think it all just works really well together. It, it this, depending on how um, how it ends up, um, this this is probably going to give some stiff competition to uh, any any miniseries that uh, might be up. For, for my classicers. I, I, I wasn't sure, you know, after the first couple of issues, I, I, I enjoyed the second issue, but I wasn't sure if this was just going to be a book that I'm reading because Tom's my friend and I like his work and I'm going to support him in that regard. Or if I was actually going to sit down and really enjoy this. Um, and I'm happy to say I'm really enjoying it, especially the last couple of issues. I, um, I don't want, I don't want this, I don't want to read this in chunks. I, I, I when when the sixth issue comes out, I want to read it when it does. Um, I don't want to stay on top of it. But I, yeah, in, in in your travels, if you haven't started it, I definitely recommend Rorschach. Uh, it's up to fifth issue, so um, hopefully they're not going to do you know volume one after the sixth issue and do it that way. Just but if if um, if you're waiting to catch up on it, go ahead, catch up on it. I've I've um, was really happy with where we are with the fifth issue. Nice. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I'll keep it quick. It's it's a single issue in your travels. Uh, in your travels, if you didn't heed my uh, my request after the debut issue, maybe we'll heed my request after the second issue. Uh, in your travels, I want you to read Eternals, written by Kieran Gillen with ridiculous art by Asad Ribic. Colors by Matt Wilson. Um, this picks up where the first issue starts, but it's it's the, the 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 hook here, the selling point, is 
a big chunk of the issue is Icarus versus Thanos. And they beat the shit out of each other through all of time because part of the great machine is there are time portals and they fall through one while they're fighting and they end up falling through a bunch of them because they just can't stop fighting each other. And uh, it just gives Ribic a chance to just go wild with the art, drawing different settings. It's almost like, you know, some of these fighting video games where you face off and each time you face off against your opponent, it's in some far-flung setting. Maybe you're standing on top of an asteroid at one battle, then the next battle you're in some... Uh, you know, Shaolin Temple, but uh, it's kind of like that on a very cosmic scale. They just they 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 just destroy each other and wreak havoc throughout time uh, and space. Um, you know, it is a battle for the ages, quite literally. Uh, and then after that, all winds up with a pretty nifty um, turn of 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 fate, thanks to uh, Sprite. Um, we're we're brought back to uh, Olympias, and we realized that. Um, all is not well. Zerus, who was in the process of being resurrected, a la Odin with Odin sleep, isn't being resurrected. There's something going on with the Great Machine. They don't know why. Then, uh, then everybody's favorite, um, uh, uh, morally ambiguous Eternal Cersei rolls up, offers to heal Icarus instead of having him to use the Great Machine. Everyone's kind of a little suspect of what her she's up to and what has to do with all of this. And then Icarus suddenly gets a strange premonition and, and leaves for Earth to protect a little boy. We don't know what or why, but um, the art is ridiculous. Kieran Gillen is definitely setting up for a nice, long, complex story here. He's building the world. And I'm not even sure if I mentioned it or at least gave it what it's due in the first issue, but uh, the narrator of the story is the Great Machine, and that leaves for some really fun narrative because the great machine is essentially uh earth and uh and its perspective is telling a story about a few humanoids is often funny because he somewhat trivializes it um so it's just it's it's clever it's tight it's action-packed so far it looks beautiful i don't know what the hell you're all waiting for get on it wow you don't have to berate them all right i'm braiding you two too all right, I, here, you good, I, got, I got the, i got the two issues right here okay good man I'll read it when it's collected. Fair enough. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us one more time. Please, if you want more of this, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. Lots over there. If you would like to check out our Patreon page, we would be very, very happy. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Lots happening over there. You know the drill. I don't have to tell you, but I will because I love you. Say good night. 20 minutes, really. It's a long, long time. Long time. Guess what I had for dinner tonight? What? Chicken pot pie. Wow. Loves me some chicken pot pie. Okay. But I'm fussy about it. Sure. The ratio of vegetables and peas and all that shit needs to be a certain ratio to chicken. Like if there's too much chicken, it's not good. If there's too much vegetables, it's not good either, right? True. Plus the the crust got to be flaky AF. If it's flaky, I'm in. Okay. Too much lard, you done you squashed it on me. David. And 
if you <laughs> <laughs> damn it. If you cook the bottom too much, you know, I'm not eating it. Oh, here we go. Ramping up. <coughs> wow. I did not have chicken pot pie for dinner. Do you like chicken pot pie? No, because I don't like cooked vegetables. I don't like I don't like peas and carrots. I don't like I don't like hot I don't like cooked carrots. Mm. It's all that, texture thing. Ever? So I like you don't, carrots. I don't like carrots. Oh, so when you get Chinese, right? And there's like the the uh, sawtooth cut carrots in there. You, like you won't get anything. Well, it's self explanatory. I don't. I don't order dishes with the carrots. Right. You don't like carrots. You don't eat that shit then. Right. Hmm. David. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's um. Yeah. I I I'm, I I don't like beef stew. I don't. Um, Sorry. I know. No, hey, listen. I get it. It's a loves me some. So I've never seen you eat shepherd's pie either. It's correct. Huh. I will destroy some shepherd's pie. Yeah, I'd stick a knife in somebody for some really good shepherd's pie. I I, I love me some mashed shaders. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, but it's, it's usually, I'm, I like my veggies, but they're just some that uh, you can throw all the carrots you want in a salad. Um, uh, I'm not big on peas either. I don't like beans. Wow. It's We're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, on the back end. But say bye. Bye. If you, see, if you're a patron, uh, <laughs> if you were a patron, you'd be able to hear all of this. But, you know, that's how it rolls. So consider. Bye. We love you either way. We do. We do. You just get more. Do better next time. That's it for that one. <laughs>